And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Heron. Let's get right to our next guest, a gentleman who not only played for the Philadelphia and the San Francisco Warriors, he also coached the San Francisco, now the Golden State Warriors, L. Adels. How you doing, Mr. Adels? I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Good. I see that when you came into the NBA, you had a pretty good guy as a teammate here in Will Chamberlain. Well, he, he was fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he was terrific. He, uh, he was the best. You, you made him what he was, right? No, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. You know, there's old saying, be truthful to thyself. <laughs> and I understand. No, he, he was just outstanding. But uh, as I've always said, uh, he was a much better person. For as great as he was as a player, he was a much better person. What do you mean he was a better person? Well, because he did so many things that he didn't want people to know about, uh, charities and things like that. And uh, I, I, I can name numerous things that he did, and he would tell people, I don't want you to, you know, let people know I'm doing this because I'm doing it for you or for the group or whatever. And, uh, and a lot of people, you know, thought he, uh, because he was such a good player, they thought that uh, he, he didn't think that way, but, but he was just great. And uh, I have nothing but great things to say about him. Now, how does a kid from Newark, New Jersey, end up at North Carolina A&T? Well, it was very simple. I, um, when I was in high school, uh, you heard of Philip Roth. Port yeah. North complaint. Sure. Okay, well, that was the high school I went to. And um, I, like a lot of young people, I didn't have time to study. My sister was an outstanding student. My mother, my dad was an outstanding student. But I, I didn't have time. I uh, played basketball, football, ran track. And there just wasn't enough time to study. So when I graduated, I had a number of offers for schools in New York and uh, Seton Hall in New Jersey and some other schools. But they uh, said in order for me to get into school, I had to go to prep school and uh, kind of build up my resume. Well, my high school coach, who I offered, or you know, I think that he really kind of changed my whole life because he told me he was a Jewish Jewish man who uh, took me to his camp up in the Poconos, and uh, he never asked me to go up there. He told me I was going and. He, he just was a great influence in my life, and he told me, uh, I got a job in a department store, and I was working, and he said, you're going to college. He said, I don't care where you go to college, but you're going to college. And I went to North Carolina A&T, and probably it changed my life because uh, Monty Irvin's brother was the coach, and um, he was from East Orange, New Jersey, and, and I just had a terrific time down there. And the day I stepped on campus was the day I decided I was going to be a student and uh, let basketball you know, be secondary. And, uh, you know, I made the honor roll a number of times, and it just changed my life. That 100-point game that Will Chamberlain had, people don't realize that you were the second-leading scorer for the Warriors in that well, game. Well, 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 you have it wrong. You have it wrong. Will and I scored 117 points. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, told, I told Will, I said, uh, you know, if you divide this by two, I'm pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't tell you what he said to me. <laughs> because it's not for, it's not for you young people to hear. But, uh, but we joked about it. And it was just a terrific night. And, uh, you know, people make a big deal out about scoring. You know, the one thing that you always want to do as a player, you always want to get double figures. Well, <laughs> when a man gets triple figures, double figures don't sound very good. <laughs> so, 
You thought you were having a pretty good night, didn't you? Well, well, I thought I did. But no, he, it was a great night and one that, uh, you know, should stand out, you know, for, for merits that is, that is presented. How did that ball disappear? I've heard the story about that ball. No one oh, knows yeah. who had well, it. Well, I was accused of having it, and uh, Keith Olbermann for years thought I had the ball. And I, <laughs> you know, what happened was Will gave me a ball. We had they had a function out here in the, in the Bay Area, and he came to the function. He brought a ball and he signed it for me, and uh, he had it on a plaque in the whole nine yards. And you know, they they said I had the ball, and, and Keith Olbermann for years thought I had the ball. And he accused me of of, not, of having it. And I said, Keith, I don't have the ball. And he said, well, Will said he gave you the ball. Well, it turns out Will did give me a ball, but Walter Kennedy's name was on the ball. They were, the commissioner's names were always on the ball. Well, Maurice Podloff was the commissioner <laughs> before got 100 points. So the ball I have has, uh, you know, it doesn't have Maurice Podloff's name on it. But anyway, to make a long story short, uh, he gave me a ball. I was very happy with it. But um, the story goes that there was two balls, one that we were playing with, one that they had on the scores table in case the other one got wet. Well, the story goes, a young man took one ball and ran home with it. And then we we signed the ball and gave it to Eddie Gottlieb, and it was supposed to be sent to the Hall of Fame, but I don't know whatever happened to the ball. Now, you had a, an illustrious career. Well, 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 that's debatable. <laughs> okay, well, we won't debate it today. <laughs> no, no, I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate. And then you become a coach. What was that transition like? Well, the, the, the most important thing to me was the fact that, you know, I, I thought I was going to be there for one week. And uh, I only when I went to training camp, I only went for one, you know, did enough for one week because I was drafted by the Eastern League. And I was I had accepted a job teaching school in Newark. And so I, um, when, when I got an opportunity to become the coach, uh, I turned it down three times. Mr. Muley, who uh, I owe a great deal to, uh, got very upset with me because I turned it down and uh, I told him, I said, well, I'll do it. we had 17 games left or something like that in the season. I said, I'll take it for 17 games and I'll go back to playing. And the reason I decided to become a coach was that with 17 games left to play and our best player was injured, Nate Thurman was injured, we didn't have any, couldn't make any deals or anything like that. And those guys never, ever stopped playing. They, you know, I think every coach needs a you know a group like that that really comes to play and, and gives the fans everything that they have. And uh, so I, Mr. Neely convinced me to take it over for one one year. Next year we got lucky and made the playoffs, and you know the rest was history. A lot was made when Lovey Smith coached against Tony Dungy in the Super Bowl, having two African American coaches coach against each other for the first time. But actually, you coached against Casey Jones when you won your championship. Well, the best thing I ever heard said about that, well, nobody made a big deal about it. It was two guys who had teams that won, and the only concern was trying to win the championship with your team, and, and they didn't make a big deal about it, but uh, obviously it was because, like you say, it was two African-Americans, but uh, playing the game was more important to us because it was two guys who uh, teams ascended to the championship round, and I, I thought that was very, very good. What was it like to coach Rick Barry? Terrific. I uh, funny story about Rick. I uh, Rick grew up in in Roselle, New Jersey, and I, I grew up in North New Jersey. And during the summers, we used to ride around and you know and pick up games and you know get in the car and go to different areas. And 
I read about this guy named Rick Barry down in the, in, at the University of Miami. And I'm talking to a friend of mine who was, who was with us that summer. And he said, don't you remember that, that talk? Can you get us know? He said, well, that was, that, that was Rick Barry. I said, oh, really? Yeah. So good. And so now I kind of follow his career a little bit. Now we wore his draft. Him. And uh, so I knew, a little, I knew a lot about him, but uh, he was just terrific. He, uh, you know, when you talk about great players, um, I can name a lot of them, but but he was he was sure to be one that that I would put in that mix. What was it like winning a championship? Well, it, it, it it's something that you never quite understand until it happens to you. For instance, I had played in a couple of championships when uh, when, when Wilt was here. We played the Celtics, and and then we also played the Seventy Sixers one year when 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 Rick and Nate were were our, our two main players, but I'd never actually, uh, on the NBA level, experienced winning that championship. I did it in high in college in a couple uh, years, but never uh, on the NBA level, obviously. And uh, when, when I had an opportunity, and the, the thing that was so great about that championship was it was a group of players that nobody saw very much of. Uh, in fact, uh once we had the team assembled, um, the first game we played were in, was in Los Angeles, and we got beat like uh, I, I jokingly say we we beat like stepchildren. And uh, and the next day we come home, and, and a writer writes in the newspaper, we should call the season off. Now we still had about about eighty one games left to play, and he, he said we should call it off because that's how bad we were. And the thing that I really, really appreciated was that that team never believed anything negative about them that was said or never believed anything positive that was said. Because once we start winning later in the year, the same writer wrote how good we were. <laughs> and the players, we never bought into that. All the, They bought into each other. And it was, I've always said, every coach should experience one team like that that really comes together and really has uh, their eye on the target, so to speak. And I, I was very, very happy to be a part of that team. Was winning the 75 NBA title the best job of coaching you did? Well, I, I, you know what? That's for others to say. I, 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 I put it on the players. I just happened to be in the neighborhood, and they, they were just an excellent group. of The thing that I liked about it, and I remember Dick Modest said this years later, he had a terrific, you know, he enjoyed the game, but practices were, were very, very important. And one of the things that happened with this team, I, you know, as a coach, you, you try you got to, you know, do things and try to even mix guys at practice and all. I remember after the first or second practice, one of, the, one of the second team guys came up to me. And I didn't like to call them second team players. I just called them, you know, we were just one group that, that you know, some players just played more than others. But I didn't consider them, you know, Rick has 
competitor that he hates losing, not only in regular games, but in, in practices. So he didn't want to lose to the second team, and the second team pushed him. And, and as a coach, one of the great things I did, and I, 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 you know, I, there weren't a, great, a lot of great things that I did, but one of the great things that I did was I'd make the losers run. But I would never make the first team run if they wanted to run the scrimmage. I would always make the second team uh, try to beat the first team. And if they beat them, but if they lost, I wouldn't make them run. But if the first team lost, I would make them run. So it was a godsend for me as a coach because I didn't have to make – and Rick, being the competitor he was, he hated to lose. So, you know, it would make him practice harder. So it made our practices great. And, you know, I, I don't want to take credit for it. I give the second team credit for it. Thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I know how much of a competitor Rick Berry was because he told me he wouldn't let his sons beat him. So. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't let anybody beat him if he could help it. All right, gentlemen, nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. Thank you. you. Take care of yourself. You too. That was Al Adels, former coach and player for the Warriors. And we want to thank all our guests today for listening and thank our producer Dave Olson. And stay tuned again next week for another great show.